Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. Before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producers Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Who Do Justice Magic, Final Production Engineer Damien Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, Monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us, and monthly co-host Kat Baldwin, author of The Forgiveness Workshop. If you are interested in contributing to this podcast, go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you'll find everything you need there. And now, without further ado, my guest for today is Kathleen Martin. She is the niece of Betty and Barney Hill. And she has a new book called Forbidden Knowledge, The Personal Journey from Alien Abduction to Spiritual Transformation. Thank you for coming on again, Kathleen. Thank you for having me back. Nice to see you again. Yeah, fantastic. So let's talk about your new book. Yes. Uh, you know, as I said in the introduction, I had not intended to write this book. Not until I had all the answers, but now I am convinced that I will never have all the answers. <laughs> and, and so I thought it was time uh, to, to do this. Uh, I thought that I would take my personal experiences to my grave, but things have changed. Mm. And there is much more openness about UFO reality, the reality of extraterrestrials, visiting our planet uh, and having done so for uh, perhaps thousands of years or at least 70 years. Mm -hmm. So uh, we haven't been harmed yet. I thought that it was good, a good time to write about this for people who uh, are looking for a greater understanding uh, of what is occurring. And I've spent much of my lifetime uh, attempting to understand all of this. So I wanted to share what I know. Also, I know I've spent probably the last, at least the last year and a half trying to understand some of this. <laughs> <laughs> and I've only scraped maybe the surface of it, I'm sure. Because I, I, I think this topic is something that is, um, I think it's a deeper part of ourselves um, than we realize, actually. Um, so, Let's go. Um, I mean, um, obviously, like this is running your family. You know, you are the niece of Betty and Barney Hill, and that's one of the common things too with this type of phenomenon is that it does seem to run in a family. Yes, yes, it does. I've worked on three research studies with experiencers, amounting now to about five thousand individuals from around the world who have had these experiencers. And um, two of those studies uh, were with PhD social scientists as well. And what we've discovered is in at least 60% of the cases, uh, contact is intergenerational. So then that opens the question of why. Why would they want to uh, take people along generational or genetic lines? And so it uh, caused me to, to look deeper uh, into 
genetics? Is this a social research study? Is it a genetic study? And what about all of the uh, reports of witnesses on craft observing uh, fetuses developing in uh, these mm-hmm. like giant test tubes, these tanks uh, with a dome top? So there are, were many, many questions that I pondered through the years and uh, really took a deep interest in understanding what this is all about, and not only understanding, but overcoming the fear. Because when something comes into your environment unexpectedly and is going to carry you away, it (laughs) induces terror. There is a fight or flight response. And I know that through the years with so many of the experiencers that I have personally uh, spoken with and and helped to support. Uh, Fear is so prevalent. And with this intense sense of fear comes uh, the inability to live one's life in in a normal way. The uh, constant fear of even getting up to use the bathroom in the middle of the night. The the fear of being alone in certain areas, especially those that are less populated. And of course that fight or flight response. And, and many people become ill as a result of this uh, overdrive that is going on in your adrenal glands uh, all of the time. And I wanted to find a way to to overcome that, to help humans. So I had to have the answers. I had to have the solutions. And it it caused me to engage in many uh, experiments and some secret experience uh, experiments Mm -hmm. that I thought I would never reveal because it could end my uh, wonderful reputation as a mainstream UFO researcher, mm-hmm. uh, I worked with Stanton Friedman for 14 years. And I guess it was my curiosity that uh, caused me to continue to search for answers, regardless of the consequences. Wow. So, so what are some of the things um, that you are hesitant to reveal that might affect your reputation as a UFO researcher? Uh, well, it, it came sort of by coincidence. When I wrote Captured, the Betty and Barney Hill UFO Experience, um, I wrote a chapter on my Aunt Betty's and, and Uncle Barney's relationship with a Navy rear admiral. Mm-hmm. His name was Herbert B. Knowles. Yes. And I had many questions. I had found an an excerpt from a book written by Dr. Jacques Vallée about Mm -hmm. this experiment, too, and about how the CIA was involved in this. And as I probed deeper, I discovered that it was not just the CIA. It was the FBI, the Air Force, the Navy, 
Um, the Canadian government through uh, Wilbert B. Smith, who was a, a brilliant engineer and inventor and the Canadian government's UFO guy. And uh, he had visited Washington, D.C. in the early 1950s and had spoken uh, to people at the Canadian embassy who had received information from the American government regarding the presence of UFOs on Earth and uh, what they knew about it at that time. And, you know, essentially, uh, they are, they appear to be physical craft. They can outfly and outmaneuver anything that we have. Their technology appears to be far in advance of our technology and any technology on this planet. And uh, a few other uh, things about them uh, that the government was secretly investigating this. And so I became interested in, in the history of government involvement mm -hmm. in the investigation of UFOs. I went to the archives. Stanton and I went to our, an archival collection the, at the American Philosophical Society, where we were able to delve into the correspondence files of some of the, the greatest, uh, what I think of as disinformants of all time who worked with the government. Uh, to uh, attempt to dispel the belief that UFOs were real and to convince Americans that anyone who reported this either was having a misperception that it could be explained as meteorological phenomena, uh, etc. There was a common explanation. And I discovered the, this duplicity that the government was secretly studying all of this yet uh, was attempting to dissuade the American public from having any interest in it by stating that it was simply not real and criticizing those credible people who did have sightings at the same time. It, it resulted in the, another book that Stanton and I wrote, um, Fact Fiction and Flying mm -hmm. Saucers. And so my journey continued. I put out a message uh, on radio shows, where places where I spoke, that I was attempting to find uh, a family members of Admiral Knowles. And I had looked when I lived in New Hampshire. I had gone over to Maine. I had searched. I wasn't able to find anything. But at least, I think it was about a dozen years ago, I was speaking at the Exeter, New Hampshire UFO Festival, and a woman approached me carrying a thick packet of information, and she introduced herself as the granddaughter of Admiral Knowles, uh, and she handed it to me. It was the original documents, uh -huh. and she said, uh, please photocopy anything you would like in this file, and then please return the originals to me. And so I did that. And when I read what they contained, I thought, oh, no, I can't go forward with this information because it involves a non-traditional type of communication with extraterrestrials. Mm. 
And so uh, I put it aside for many years. And then as uh, the evolution of UFO uh, investigation and research uh, took place, I pulled it out again and I spoke about it at some UFO conferences. At one of those conferences, there was a man who was dressed in a suit who approached me at the end. Most people were very grateful for that information, but this man was irate. And he told me that uh, I would be punished for this. And so I had all the more need to make this public and make his statements to me public, because I certainly did not know that this information uh, was classified. Right. In fact, I had uh, two documents from the FBI uh, speaking of this information, so I thought it was safe to release it. Hmm. I, although I could be the only person who has this information besides uh, Admiral Knowles' granddaughter, and I did send uh, this information to researcher Grant Cameron from uh, Canada as well, and and uh, uh, and researcher of government involvement in all of this, who has uh, transformed as I have, and is looking further into this uh, communication with non-humans and uh, by non-traditional means, because you're not sitting in a room facing these non-humans hmm. at a meeting. It all started with a woman named Frances Swan. Uh, yeah, that, that, this is so cool, because like, when I read Captured, and I read about Frances Swan, like, I, I felt like there were so many loose ends to that part of the story. There definitely were loose ends, and I'm such a curious person that I wouldn't put that down. I, I <laughs> pursued uh, that for as far as I possibly could. And in the end, I, I received some incredible, uh, incredibly good answers. But Frances Swan, to give you a little background, was just a housewife from Elliott, Maine. Uh, she was active in the community, uh, an active member of the church on uh, the, uh, the school board, that sort of thing. And she was at the town hall decorating with a group of people uh, for a Halloween celebration. And uh, she, a man came in, a strange man that she had, uh, the kind that she had never met before. They had a brief conversation. And when she left, there was an unidentified craft that paced her car on the way home. And then within weeks, she started to have uh, Jesus <laughs> appear in her environment. Mm -hmm. Now she was a very holy woman. Um, and then after that, she started to receive telepathic messages. And these telepathic messages were allegedly from uh, uh, groups of extraterrestrials 
who were in our solar system in extraordinarily large craft that held motherships and what they called bells or smaller craft. And they said they were on our planet um, in order to guide us, to offer us assistance in developing further uh, so that we would not have the problems we have now, such as war, um, such as this uh, ongoing nationalism that has uh, caused these skirmishes and wars uh, across history, the, with the disease that we have. And they wanted to go to government officials and make this offer. They also gave Francis Swan information that was far beyond her level of comprehension and education. This was scientific information. She took this packet of information to Admiral Herbert Knowles. And when he read what it contained, he felt that it was of vital national importance. And he sent it to the U.S. Senator from Maine, Margaret Chase Smith. It also went to Dwight Eisenhower, who was president at the time. It went to the CIA, the FBI, and as I said before, the, the Navy, the Air Force. There was a lot of, of federal uh, interest in this. And uh, they received many, many messages. But this was covert because uh, I have the evidence that the, the top brass from the military went to Admiral Knowles' house one weekend. Uh, Admiral Knowles' wife, Helen, wrote a letter to my aunt, Betty Hill, regarding the top brass being there to investigate all of this. And she said that when they realized this was not traditional communication, they packed up and went home. She said also she was tired of making sandwiches for that group <laughs> over the weekend. Um, and so I thought, well, you know, maybe this is the end of it. But then it was not. This secret study that she didn't know about took place. And I have the evidence of that. And the letters between Admiral Knowles and Wilbert Smith and what they've learned and their attempt to verify this scientifically and also information that other government officials were attempting to learn how to communicate with these uh, extraterrestrials. That's what we'll call them. I'm not certain that they are extraterrestrials. They are higher entities of some type. Hmm. And so it was, it was fascinating to me uh, because they spoke way back in that time frame about the dangers of nuclear power, of nuclear war, uh, that the detonation of nuclear weapons uh, tears into the membranes between the dimensions and causes damage out into other dimensions. Uh, they talked about uh, our uh, the danger to our environment if we continued on the path that we're on. 
and uh, gave uh, information, sort of warnings that this would happen, that we would be where we are now if steps were not taken to change that. And they didn't want to become actively involved in uh, this planet, in doing uh, anything to change our course, except for as advisors, as uh, those who were here to assist us. But they knew the impact that uh, a tech, higher technologically uh, developed society would have on a less technologically developed society. We're still a society with a lot of suspicions, with a lot of distrust. And they uh, were offering this, but they didn't want to be perceived as invaders because it would have a highly negative impact on us. They were just offering assistance. And unfortunately, uh, it wasn't accepted but they also offered technology. I think one of the reasons it wasn't accepted is because they stated that uh, they would not uh, give this technology to only one nation, to the detriment of all others. They would give bits and pieces of this uh, technology to different nations, and it would be up to us to share and if we were to develop. And so they were attempting to bring about uh, mm -hmm. peace on our planet and cooperation among all people on this planet. And I found that incredibly interesting. And as time went on, uh, I had the opportunity to participate in a study of a man who uh, attended MUFON's International Symposium in Orlando, Florida, and this was in 2016. I was speaking at the conference that year, and Stan Friedman was working at the vendor table with me, and, and I invited him to address the audience from the stage at the end of my presentation. And uh, this man was there. He saw the presentation. He also met two of my colleagues, and they were impressed by him. And after the conference, I didn't meet him at the conference, but after the conference, uh, they invited me to join them and him for lunch. And so I thought, oh, I like to meet people. I didn't know anything about him. But uh, as time went on, we'd meet for lunch over a period of two or three months, about once a month, because one of the researchers lives three hours away from me. Um, by some coincidence, and I'm not sure that it's coincidence, the man lives in the same town that I live in. Hmm. And uh, anyway, to, to get to the point, he's had contact with E.T. since he was eight years old. Uh, he came to me for hypnosis after a missing time event. Uh, we were to explore what happened when he was a 14-year-old paper boy. And early in the morning, he saw a craft. It was uh, either landed or hovering over a nearby park. Uh, he approached it. He was taken onto the craft. And there he met the members of this council 
what uh, they told him was a council of eight. There were two human types on that craft. There were two greys, one tall grey, one um, grey about five feet tall, who was a scientist. They, uh, there were two women. Uh, one was a tall white. One was uh, an avian, a blue avian entity. And there was a, 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 a mantis type mm -hmm. there too, which uh, frightens a lot of people. Yeah. But yeah. you know, this young man had the opportunity to meet this council. He already knew the two human types because when he was eight years old, they'd come into his environment. When he was nine years old, one of them remained in his environment for an entire week as a conscious orb and communicated with him and taught him to astral travel and started to teach him uh, an understanding of all of this. He was living in England at the time. He grew up in the north of England. He grew up to become a police officer. Uh, his wife worked as a professor and as a researcher at uh, a college. And they moved to the United States. Now it's been uh, more than 20 years, became US citizens. And he has worked as a real estate agent since then. But they're very kind people. And but I didn't know that at first. I felt that I needed to uh, determine whether or not I could trust him. First of all, was this someone who was attempting to pull off a fraud, who was just being crafty, uh, pretending that all of this was real? You know, the, the idea of people channeling information is one that I found unacceptable mm -hmm. for many years uh, because it was uh, it has such a bad reputation. It uh, is uh, so laden with the with information that these people are fraudsters who, you know, just roll their eyes back in their heads, uh, speak and hand out their money for their their hands for for payment. And so I had a great distrust in that, even though I had the information about uh, Admiral Knowles and Wilbert Smith and the government interest. So I thought, well, I guess I can participate in this. Uh, I will do it as scientifically as possible to determine whether this is real. And that's the way that the two other researchers went into this with me. We eventually added more people. And I write about all of that in the book. Um, M Dr. Melanie Barton Bragg was one of those people. She is a psychotherapist and also a Christian minister and views things uh, both spiritually and uh, scientifically. And then there, the other was Denise Stoner, with whom I've worked cooperatively for many years now. We've written a book together. She's an experiencer of contact, as is Melanie. And Denise is probably the best UFO investigator I have ever seen. And, and had the honor to work with uh, just outstanding 
in her work. In fact, when the Mutual UFO Network was working with uh, Robert Bigelow from Bigelow Aerospace, Denise was chosen as one of the top investigators uh, for the STAR team to, to do this uh, investigation of important UFO cases that came in. So I trust her uh, and her judgment. She's highly knowledgeable about uh, the paranormal in general as well, has a background in psychology and business, worked for the military, for the Department of Defense. And we began this study uh, where we would meet with Kevin Briggs uh, one time a month, take our questions, take our equipment, because we wanted to use scientific equipment in order to determine if this information was Kevin's imagination, if he was delusional, or if he was this was a fraud. And so uh, over time, we discovered that this was real. They wanted to show us evidence. And uh, the book contains all of that information and the fascinating 120 questions we asked over a long period of time. And the answers that we received from these uh, people who said they were of extraterrestrial origin. We met each one of them. We could measure the heat change in the room. We measured a more than five degree increase in room temperature when the fifth and sixth dimensionals came into the room. Mm -hmm. When the ninth dimensionals entered the room, there was more than an eight and a half degree increase in the temperature. And when these entities entered the room, we felt an incredible sense of electrical tingling through our bodies in their presence. And then they said that they wanted to show us evidence. We, over time, we were able to observe craft. Um, we were able to observe orbs, uh, lights. We wanted to observe them, but they still have not shown themselves to us. Uh, we can see them in our mind's eye when meditating. We cannot see them uh, in our own environment, although we can feel them and we can communicate telepathically with them. So uh, I'm still waiting to see them. They say that when we raise our vibrational level uh, to a significantly uh, high level, we will be able to see them and that we are able to see what we see now because we have raised our vibrational frequency. And, you know, viewers, listeners might uh, say, What's that? Raise vibrational frequency? What's that mean? You know, they explained all of that to us scientifically and answered many, many more of our questions, too, with specific answers. In terms of vibrational frequency, um, they have told us that, uh, and we know this scientifically, it's theoretical in our science, that everything is... Uh, 
has a vibrational frequency. Everything is moving. Uh, we have different levels of frequency. And that uh, when you think, the only way that I can explain this to everyone so that they can understand it is think of us humans as being ice cubes in a pan on a stove. And uh, our vibrational frequency or our molecules are moving fairly slowly. We're dense. And then we turn on the heat and the water starts to boil and we can see the water vapors coming up, the steam. That is raising the vibrational frequency because the molecules are moving at a faster rate and they're no longer solid. And eventually, we can no longer see that water vapor, although it is still there. Those are the higher dimensions. They're there, but we can't see them. And those dimensions, in order to uh, move to a higher dimension, you have to become more spiritual. You have to elevate yourself spiritually. My ETs that I have uh, spoken with, with a not a lot of knowledge uh, from the time I was about 17 years old, when my aunt was doing an experiment, um, apparently they believed that when they were asked to land on my grandparents' farm, they were asked to also take us to craft. That wasn't Betty's intention, but that's what happened. And so over time, they told me that the greatest concern they have about us as a planet uh, is that our technological progress is out of sync with our spiritual development. And when this happens, it can lead to the disintegration of the species and of all life on this planet. They're mostly concerned about uh, our a possible environmental collapse. They've seen it elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And they say that it's happened on this planet one time already, and they don't want it to happen again. So um, I, this isn't just coming from me in the studies that we did the three uh, studies on 5,000 experiencers. We had open-ended questions. And I heard this over and over again in different words, but from other experiences. I wouldn't offer this if it were only I who were saying this. Mm. Um, so I thought that over time, I wanted to present all of this information to anyone who's interested and interested in uh, our planet, in saving our planet and continuing as a species, as we grow, as we mature, as we move ahead on an evolutionary scale. So that is my goal as I uh, take steps to elevate spiritually. Fascinating. Um, there, there's so much stuff that you, <laughs> what you just had said, and some of it, you know, um, you know, I've had other guests on too that would definitely agree with you. Um, one of the common things that I've been hearing is 
you know, well, if, if we destroy our planet, it doesn't just affect us. It ripples throughout multiple dimensions. You know, whether you want to call these other dimensional beings extraterrestrial or spirits or whatever, angels, it doesn't matter. Those are just labels. But the fact is that, that these layers of dimensions exist. Science says that they exist. And there's conscious beings out there that if, if we nuke this planet, it's going to rip out into these other dimensions. Yes, it's going to harm not only everything on this planet, but everything in the other dimensions, destroying uh, the life in those other dimensions as well. And so we really have a responsibility uh, as humans on this planet to assist others in development, in understanding of all of this information, because it is of primary importance. And if we can all become more spiritually oriented, then, and I'm not saying you have to give up your religion, you don't have to give up your religion at all, because spirituality uh, encompasses religious beliefs as well. But we need to elevate, we need to overcome this feeling that uh, we have to dominate others, that uh, we, that our purpose in here it, on this planet is to acquire as many possessions as possible uh, to the detriment of others around us, uh, to join together in in brotherhood and sisterhood um, that is there, there's a great deal more in the book that i've written including the beginnings of this journey uh, where i viewed myself as a victim where i was terrified to uh, the point where i am now where it, i consider it a great honor to be able to associate or to communicate with these extraordinarily kind and gentle entities who are reaching out to us. Interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, is like we know as human beings that everything is connected. And we know yes. that we're all connected as human beings in a giant ecosystem. Science tells us that all the time. But yet, we ignore that fact. And then we realize that we're connected to other things that we can't see, and we're still doing the same thing. And you mentioned like some of the government projects that are aware of this. Um, I mean, I, I've interviewed a few people that um, talk about it. Like, I'd say the main one that I interviewed that, that I would say was the most um, verifiable was... Uh, somebody who wrote the handbook for the CIA in the remote viewing program mm -hmm. and how the remote viewing program became aware of all these different life forms and some that are existing within our solar system. Mm -hmm. huh. So I'm glad they know this as well. And I hope that they heed this information. I know that um, the DIA has recently uh, come forward, the director uh, of 
the government's in recent investigations uh, into the Skinwalker Ranch in Utah mm-hmm. uh, and the uh, interaction between naval forces uh, during maneuvers and almost every day with these craft who, that are coming up out of the ocean. And uh, so technologically advanced that uh, it looks like magic to us and can also know our thoughts and arrive at where we're going uh, to meet us Mm -hmm. when we arrive there, when the Navy I'm talking about. So, uh, you know, this is extraordinary. These are extraordinary times that we are uh, living in. And um, in a recent book, uh, with information that was released for publication by the government, by the military. Um, They speak of the interdimensional nature of all of this, of uh, being at the Skinwalker Ranch. Some people uh, feel great love, yet other people, for some reason, are um, exposed to intense fear, to terror. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it, it seems to be uh, from an external source that they wouldn't be normally feeling this, but this is pushed on them. And what, it, from my interpretation and knowledge of all of this, uh, this is to reduce their vibrational frequency so that the negative side can attach to them and travel with them back to their homes back to their families, to their neighborhoods. But it is possible to raise one's frequency and to rid oneself of these lower dimensionals who are just, they're troublesome. Mm -hmm. You just, I I think that you need to treat these lower dimensionals like you'd treat any bum who wanted to come to your house and live. If you didn't want them there, you have to throw them out. But the way to do this is through love. Because if you give them fear, if you give them negativity, if you give them anger, they feed off this, the lower uh, dimensionals. And so they will grow by being fed Mm -hmm. this. You have to overcome this fear. You have to place faith, in a sense, in a higher power. And these entities say, They told us that we all share the same consciousness, but there is one source consciousness who is the creator, what we think of as God. And so you have to place your faith in that and raise your frequency by projecting love and kindness because these negatives won't want you any longer. Uh, if you're reflecting love and kindness. Hmm. Yeah, and I can see, like, one of the things I think that for, for certain people that's going to cause us an issue because the encounter the entity in their automatic response is to get afraid and fight, which creates Absolutely. a loop. The more you're afraid, the more you're fighting, the more energy you're giving these entities, and the harder it is to ever escape. You know, but what we have to do Absolutely. is almost counterintuitive which is to raise love, kindness, compassion, 
um, light, you know, and then all of a sudden, like, they're not, that entity is no longer getting what it needs anymore and will be more likely to leave. Yes. And if you go to my website at Kathleen-Marden.com, M-A-R-D-E-N, I have two articles on there uh, about negative entities. And in one of those articles, uh, it just read it and follow it and and do it religiously every day. And these entities will no longer be able to attach to you. Mm-hmm. There are other ways to get rid of them. Um, I've, I've known people who have uh, had them, who have gotten rid of them through uh, a shaman. They've gone to a shaman and they've, these, they've been detached. Uh, I know another person who went to a tent revival and it was detached there. There was a person who had been made extraordinarily ill by this attachment because they feed off your energy. And just at that tent revival, he was, he was healed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but once you are healed, you have to continue to live that, in that higher vibration. You cannot return to you know playing violent video games where you're killing others. You can't uh, become locked into hatred against any group uh, because you're creating an environment for these lower vibrationals to attach to you. And you know I think anyone who has a scientific background is going to think that I'm speaking um, hocus pocus, but I assure you. I have a scientific background as well, and I never thought that I would move in this direction, but I've been shown that this is true, and not only on faith, but by evidence. I had the unfortunate experience to have one of these attachments, and even though I vibrated at a higher frequency, I was attempting to assist a man who was having just a lot of this negative in his life. He believed that he was being taken to an underground base where these draconian reptilians were doing horrific things. It reminded me of hell, really, the description of hell. And what he described to me was so horrifying that it lowered my frequency just enough so that one of these entities attached, who was attached to him, attached to me as well. Immediately, I felt that um, tingling sensation, that wonderful um, a, a kind of euphoric feeling leave my body. It just left out, I don't know if it was my heart chakra or my solar plexus, but it was in that area. And when that happened, It was like a dark cloud descended over me. That night I went to bed. I could normally sleep uh, without any problem. I had difficulty sleeping. And over the next month, uh, I had more and more problems. My body started to ache. I started to feel ill. I started to develop the uh, symptoms that this man uh, had. Who, who was very sick. Um, 
And I needed to do something about it. I had a crucifix on my wall. I have a crucifix next to my bed because I have a Catholic background. I um, used holy water, blessed myself, uh, holy oil. Uh, I could not, prayer, I could not detach this negative entity doing any of these things. I called a friend who is a minister who can uh, rid people of these attachments. And, but uh, this, it had to be done over the phone because of the distance between us. It did not work for me. She was going to come to my home in two weeks, but then it told me that I needed to end my life. And when I heard that, the alarm bells went off, the red flags rose, and I said, I have to do something immediately. Kevin Briggs, Council of Eight, told us that they would protect us. And I thought that, well, this is, I need their protection from this. So I called Kevin up, I explained to him what was happening, and he said to me, well, I will get in touch with the ninth dimensional and we'll see what happens. When I woke up the following morning, I was myself again. It was removed. It was gone immediately. Hmm. So uh, that's a story that I've told in a couple of books now. In in my book, um, Extraterrestrial Contact, What to Do When You've Been Abducted, which is a comprehensive guide, for experiencers to uh, understand what's going on, to investigate it themselves, to collect evidence, and what to watch out for and how to overcome that negativity as well. Yeah, the, the negativity, you know, I have some guests on, I mean, most of the guests I have on that have been experiencers have a higher vibrational level and don't attract these negative entities. However, I also have some other guests who seem to be completely obsessed with ridding the world of these entities. And what concerns me sometimes, I wonder if these people are doing what these entities actually want to do, which is drawing attention and fear to them. It, it could very well be that this is occurring. Yeah. Um, I've, I've had challenges from uh, people who want, who believe that they are all demons mm -hmm. uh, and that, that they want to rid the world of these demons and that those of us who have contact with them are demon-possessed. Mm -hmm. I know mm -hmm. the difference between good and evil because I've felt it in yeah. my own body. And uh, th there are evil entities, yes, let's get rid of the demons, but the rest of them are not the higher vibrational ones are are just that they're loving they're caring and you can feel that in your body you know that that is true and there's a completely different feeling because the higher you raise your dimensional frequency the less disease you will have the less sickness um you'll want to um, continue to experience 
these wonderful things in life and reach out to others um, in a sense um, as, as a spiritual person in love and in service to others. The other thing that I've also found interesting, and I've, and I've experienced it too, is that a, a lot of experiencers will return or for whatever reason, their, their, their vibration becomes so high that they have the ability to heal other people. And I know I experienced it um, with Reverend Michael Carter. You know, I, I, I was going through a horrible time in my life. I had him on as a guest, you know, and, and, and afterwards I felt completely different. I mean, I was just like, whoa, <laughs> you know, and yes. there, 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 it, for me, that, that is a, was a very real experience. And, uh, and I know that's actually a common occurrence. It is. In 45% of the abductee group on our study, um, the MUFON study of 516 experiencers, 45% uh, of those abductees had been healed when they requested healing. Now, I practice uh, the quantum healing hypnosis technique developed by uh, Dolores Cannon. Mm -hmm. And um, I learned to facilitate healing in others. And uh, I only know how to do it through that hypnosis technique where I can um, reach the person's higher self or superconsciousness in order to answer, uh, for that to answer that individual's questions and to also ask for healing. And what I've discovered is I didn't expect this to happen, but something comes into my body from the universe, this very strong tingling through my crown chakra. And I hold my arms, I'm just called to hold my arms out over this person that can be in a foot or two above their body. I never touch their body, but they feel heat and they end up being healed if this is what is intended for them. And I'm not the one who determines that. I don't know. It's the, maybe the contract that they made when they came into this existence that uh, determines that. But uh, it, it's remarkable to me that I have this ability and I, you know, I try to use it on a day-to-day -day basis in, in the loving uh presence that I, I have with others. Um, I don't know if I, without the use of hypnosis and without contacting the higher self, if I am able to do this, I have certainly attempted to heal people from a distance uh, through that process and through prayer. Um, my husband nearly died last spring he was hospitalized for a long period of time. He uh, had ended up having surgery, and now he's on the road to recovery. He's, he's doing well again. But he was um, very discouraged because he wasn't healing. He was incapacitated. And so I, I usually ask for uh, permission to heal a person. But he was lying next to me in bed asleep. And I asked for healing 
for him. And I did that same process. I was in a hypnotic state. And uh, I felt the same thing happen. And, and he has made a remarkable recovery since that time. So, um, you know, was this coincidence or was it because of something I did? I cannot say for certain. I've had a medium tell me that Mother Mary channels through me. Um, the, or the divine feminine. Mm -hmm. So perhaps that's what it is. Uh, funny thing is that now when I say something and it has the ring of truth, I feel that tingling in my crown chakra. And when I just said that, I felt that tingling. Wow. And another thing um, that you mentioned too, and, I, and I've experienced it, um, is our ability to contact these beings through telepathy. Um, you know, yes. I have... Preston Dennett on it quite often, and he talks about it quite a bit. And I, and I tried the technique that, that he told me to do, you know, and it worked. You know, he goes, if you want to see a UFO, you just go outside, you know, meditate, send it out there, and watch the sky. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, one night I did it, and I saw something moving across the sky. At first I thought it was a satellite, and then it just quickly changed directions and, and flew away. I was like, mm -hmm. <laughs> You know, it, it's incredible how they respond to our consciousness just to um, see something, some kind of evidence. And it's something that everybody can do. Yes, absolutely. And I don't know if you meditate or not. I do. You do. Okay. Um, I find that the best way to uh, communicate with them is to practice meditation on a daily basis and to uh, it it helps you you can actually uh, begin if you've never done this before by going to youtube and doing a guided meditation mm -hmm. to raise consciousness or to raise uh, your vibrational frequency and do that on a daily basis for whatever time you have whether it's 10 minutes or a half hour but it conditions you to be able to vibrate at a higher level. And I say that um, everyone should protect themselves with divine light at the same time. That's also on my website under how to rid yourself of the negative entities. But it also applies to people who want to communicate with the positive yeah. entities. Um, and, and, you know, continue to do this. And it will work. You will be able to communicate with these higher dimensional entities. Do you think that our ability to communicate with these entities is something that has been covered up because the people that are in power don't want us to communicate with them? Well, I think that uh, various religions have done that through many, many, from thousands of years, that um, there is the idea that you cannot, you cannot communicate directly with God, that you must do this as part of a congregation with a minister. And I'm not going to criticize any religion or say that you shouldn't do this. If it works for you, that's great to be part of that community. But... I have always had a sense that you can have a direct 
communication, a direct line to God, if that's what you wish to do. And it's uh, much more personal, and you can do it on a daily basis. And, you know, so uh, also, um, no, I'm, I'm not going to say what I was thinking. I just um, know that even, you know, uh, if you want to go to church, you practice your religion, please do, mm -hmm. because this is for a great sense of community. But also, in the Christian religion, meditation is fine. A lot of people think that it's not. People have said, oh, I can't meditate because of my religion. Well, I know Christian ministers who meditate and who were th taught through Christianity to meditate. It gives you a deeper connection to the yeah. higher and realms. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is read like Thomas Merton. <laughs> he, he was, you know, Christian monk who was also big into meditation. Yes. And, mm -hmm. and for him, it really enhanced the whole spiritual experience. Yes, yes. And, and, you know, that spiritual sense becomes most important to you uh, as a human being. The, the sense of brotherhood and sisterhood, of reaching out to other humans. And um, not for anything, for yourself but to assist others. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that you also mentioned, and you know, I've never heard two different sides on this one, is like when people first have contact or, or going through the experience, they feel fear. They are afraid because they're around these unfamiliar beings in an unfamiliar place and they don't know why it's happening. However, I've also heard that when these beings come to take people, that they will only take you if you agree. They'll ask you, do you want this experience? And if you say yes, they'll take you. If no, they'll leave you alone. Um, so there seems to be some contradiction there. And, and, and that's one that I'm, you know, I'm still, is still rolling around in my head and I'm trying to find an answer to. <laughs> well, in my opinion, it depends upon the benevolence of the entities who are taking you and uh, their purpose and uh, your sense of power, your sense of strength, because I know from the time I began to be taken, I lived my life in terror. I didn't even know that I could ask not to be taken, and they didn't say, Would, do we have your permission? That wasn't something that was discussed. I do know that many times when I was on a table in, on craft, they would tell me they were trying to uh, raise my vibrational frequency. And they would also project the most profound feeling of love toward me that I have ever felt in my life. I haven't felt that on this planet. It was just so intense and profound. But then um, back in those days, the early researchers told me that you can't believe them, that they are being deceptive, and that I shouldn't believe this. And so, you know, that created further problems for me. Yeah. Because I felt for many years I was a victim of this 
a terrible thing. And in the book, I go into a lot more detail about my life and, and how it changed. But I thought that I was going to live my entire life as a victim of something horrific that was happening to me. But over time, I said, no, I will not be a victim. I have, you know, I have a background in psychiatric social work. I know that it is never good to go through life as a victim. You have to become a survivor if you are going to move on. I was ill. I was extraordinarily ill and incapacitated. And I knew I had to do something to change my life. I could no longer live in fear. And so uh, through the sheer force of strength and will, I developed a way to address these entities. I used hypnosis, self-hypnosis, mm -hmm. which was instantaneous. I gave myself the words that I give to clients uh, so that they will go into a deep trance immediately gave them to myself. When those entities came into my environment, I overrode anything coming from them. I, by saying those words to myself, and then I projected love in their direction. Awesome. And it changed everything. Do you offer any techniques or advice on, for people who want to raise their vibration in your book? Yes, I do. And it's also that exercise is on my website. But if you are, are highly fearful and you're being taken by these entities, um, you, can, you can book a consultation with me and I do charge a small amount, only $30, mm -hmm. because I've had, I wasn't able to do all of the other work I need to do uh, for income by volunteering all of this time because there were hundreds of people coming to me wanting to speak with me. And I pay for the Zoom, I pay for the website, I pay for many things. But that's just an explanation. It's not that I'm greedy. Mm -hmm. A lot of people charge much more money for this. Oh, yeah. But, um, with your people's permission, I will teach them self-hypnosis. Uh, I will give them key words that they will have to practice over and over again on a daily basis. You have to be committed to this in order to do to have this be successful. And you have to change yourself so that you're not wrapped up in negativity. And there's so much negativity in our environment. If you watch the news, <laughs> if you watch reality TV, if you watch uh, movies, their uh, horror is uh, uh, highly popular at this time. Uh, crime shows are highly pro uh, popular. If you, if you watch all of this and you become absorbed in that, you're not going to break out of um, that prison that you're locked inside you have to make a commitment to change yourself and if you commit to that you can change and i can help you 
I can give you the tools you need to, to change yourself. Hmm. That's awesome. You know, um, I know what works for me usually is just uh, like a simple chakra meditation and, and the light thing. Definitely. You know, I, I feel a difference when I, I do that type of meditation versus a simple just mindfulness meditation. Yes, absolutely. The chakra meditation is extraordinarily important uh, because you're pulling divine light into your body and it's expanding out into all the cells in your body. Um, and it's important to ground yourself to the earth in the morning as well and to pull sacred earth energy up into your body as well. But if you do this kind of meditation, then uh, you uh, eventually you're going to put yourself into a position where you can live life comfortably. But also know there is always negativity that's going to be around. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it might, as it did with me, just put me into a sh state of shock and horror to allow that lower vibrational entity to attach. Mm -hmm. um, I believe that that is what happened on the Skinwalker Ranch as well. And, but it is possible to overcome that. And you can, if you're committed to that. The Skinwalker Ranch is really interesting, you know, because one of the people that you mentioned already was Bigelow and he, you know, he owned it for a while and said, you know, I guess he was researching it or, or contracted to research it for the government. And then he sold it to this new guy, you know, and they're doing the whole, you know, the TV show on it, mm -hmm. you know. And, and, I, and I wonder what they're trying to achieve. Like, like I wonder if, if, you know, them coming out with it now with the TV show and everything, some type of disclosure that these type of places in vortexes exist or I don't know. I try, I just try to make sense of like how it was so secretive and researched by the government. And then they just sold it to a guy who's publicizing it. It's my understanding that there are vortices that uh, have formed in various places around the world. Mm -hmm. One of them is that the CERN is the result of our experiments. There are others um, as a result of our experiments. And there are others that uh, were caused by humans, uh, such as at the Skinwalker Ranch that's been going on for hundreds of years. Uh, it was opened by a shaman, from what I understand. But there is also, from what I have been told, uh, a, a craft buried deep in the soil there and that there the entities on that craft are highly negative so you have the negative and you have the positive i guess wherever you go you have the yin and the yang yeah. you have the negative and the positive um it's only a matter of uh, identifying them as such and learning how to uh, as i said <laughs> over and over rid the negative from your life hmm. um but I, I have worked on a case in East Texas where there is a portal that was opened up. And it's the same kind of thing. It was uh, on Native American land that was donated supposedly to the white man. 
the invader. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, an airline pilot, commercial pilot, decided to retire. He had no interest in UFOs. He'd never seen one. But he was outside uh, his home one evening. The reason he was called outside is he heard voices. And this was, a, he, he operated a small airport at that point. Um, uh, fixing craft uh, airplanes, <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, he went out to the runway to see what was going on. And there were people out there standing there looking up into the sky, townspeople. And there were was craft there uh, of incredibly bright intensity. He'd never seen anything like that in his life. And he had absolutely no understanding of extraterrestrials or interdimensionals or anything. He decided that he was going to sit down and meet with them and just have a discussion. And so he did everything he could do to call them in. And I wrote about this in my book, Extraterrestrial Contact. He called them in. He was successful eventually. They came in, they landed on his property. He took photographs of them. Uh, And then eventually there there were these negative interdimensionals that came in to his life as well, just like on the Skinwalker Ranch. There was the positive and there was the negative. And he took photographs of the positive, what he thought was an angel coming Mm -hmm. in. Some people call it a light being. But it was this beam of light that um, sort of had a face in mm-hmm. it. And if he felt it was protecting him from the negative. Um, it's an incredible story. But his reaction to all of this was not to project love. It was to use weapons. It was to uh, use hatred anger, and everything that he was doing fed the negativity. Uh, He ended up with deep scratches uh, down his bare chest when he was out in his office one day that took a long time to uh, heal. He unfortunately uh, lost his health. I didn't at that point know how to advise him. He had uh, had UFO investigators out there who had actually observed craft with him. He had paranormal investigators out there. Um, when they heard that there were UFO investigators too, they thought, oh, negative uh, in extraterrestrials, they left. And the same thing happened with the UFO investigators. Mm-hmm. He came to me, this was several years ago, um, just in a terrible state. And I attempted to help him. But unfortunately, even though I had arranged for a a minister to remove the negativity, during we were in prayer at that time when he had to be carried off in an ambulance. If I had known what I know now, I could have instructed him on how to meditate, on how to project love, to 
remove any negativity from his environment. I didn't know that. Mm. And uh, he finally left there, but his health did not improve. And he eventually passed away. That's terrible. That, that is something, you know, that I've seen certain paranormal investigators also engage in, you know, and, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, there's nothing anybody can do. I mean, they're going to do what they do, but, yes. you know, it's just like when I'm watching them on TV, certain ones, I'm like, it's like, you know how it's going to end. <laughs> yes, they <laughs> They entice the negative. They draw mm -hmm. the negative to themselves. And, yeah, you know how that is going to end, and it's not going to end well. It's unfortunate yeah. that they don't understand all of this. Yeah. You know, they don't understand the negative part, the positive part. Yeah. Um, so this was fascinating, an interview. Thank you for taking the time to come on and speak with me again. It's always a pleasure having you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And um, may I speak again about how people can reach out to me? Well, I was going to say, like, where is the best place for my listeners to find you and find your book? Uh, you can go to Kathleen, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N, just as it's spelled on the screen, dash or hyphen Marden, M-A-R-D-E-N, dot com. All of my six books are available, autographed through PayPal. You can also go to um, Amazon. They're all available there in uh, paperback and hardback, except for the new one is available just in paperback and also in uh, Kindle version. Uh, you can read where I'm going to be speaking this year. You uh, can also uh, read those articles that I told you about um, on how to elevate your vibrational frequency. And uh, if you want a consultation with me or hypnosis, you'll find how to reach me as well. Awesome. So thank you so much. Thank I you. And I'll put that link in the notes of this episode so my listeners can find you and buy your books and get a consultation if they need you. And... Um, are you doing any speaking events near New Jersey? Uh, I'm going to be speaking in Pennsylvania at the Butler Ghost Conference. It's in uh, it's north of Pittsburgh. Mm. You'll find it on my website. Okay. Um, so that's that's a conference that's going to take place, um, not specifically in New Jersey in September, mm -hmm. if the uh, town of Exeter can approve it. We, never know because of COVID, but uh, they want to have their UFO festival again. All of my speaking engagements that I've arranged for the year so far are there. If you want to see me on television, uh, there I've done many shows yeah. <laughs> uh, and also documentaries. Mm -hmm. uh, Discovery Plus has just released uh, one on uh, its shock docs, Betty and Barney Hill, where I was the, the major investigator, had the major role on that film. Uh, yeah, you're also, I forget which one was on Netflix, too, that you were on quite a bit. 
there was one on there too. Yeah, there are quite a few. And plus, I, I see you know. pop up on Ancient Aliens every once in a while. Yes, <laughs> yes, I do interviews for Ancient Aliens too. Awesome. So I share my knowledge as often as I can. Fantastic. Well, thank you for being on. And hang on for one my moment pleasure. while I play the outro. Okay. Thank you. Thank you.